1: Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki.
0: I'm Dale Spangler. And this week's guest is flat track racer, race promoter, and host of the Tank Slappin' podcast, Corey Texter. Moto America is an official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. Moto America, home of AMA Superbike and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series, features 10 rounds and 20 races of the best motorcycle road racing on two wheels. That's seven classes of motorcycle road racing, including Superbike, Supersport, Junior Cup, Stock 1000, Twins Cup, and the ever popular King of the Baggers and Roland Sands Superhooligans. Don't miss a minute of the action with Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming and get your tickets and a camping spot along with info and a complete schedule at motoamerica.com forward slash tickets follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for real-time series updates and same-day race coverage.
1: This week's race recap is Moto America Round 4 from Road America Raceway. In superbike racing, we saw Matthew Skultz win his first race of the year over a charging Petrucci, who kind of got bumped around in the class. I think it happened more than once because I think there's some bad blood brewing in this class, but we're going to be watching it till the end of the series. On day two, Cam Peterson takes the win. So we've got a shakeup in the points. Petrucci still leads, but Skultz is closing the gap. He's only seven points back, followed by Gagne, who's 25 points back. The former champ is starting to really show his legs. we want to keep an eye also on these BMW riders, P.J. Jacobson and Hector Barbera. These guys are coming on strong. And I think before the season's over, we're going to see a win
0: from one of the BMW guys. In super sport action, On Saturday, it was 16-year-old Tyler Scott taking the win for his first Moto America Supersport race win of his career with the draft pass on Josh Heron to win by 0.039 seconds. And then on Sunday, it was even a bigger surprise win as local racer Jason Farrell took a dominant win in wet conditions over upstart Australian Luke Power while race one winner Tyler Scott crashed out of the race. What a story for Farrell, though, at 46 years of age, Gets his first Supersport win. Pretty incredible uh, story that developed on Sunday.
1: In King of the Baggers action, all bets were on a Wyman winning the event, and Travis Wyman took the win over his brother Kyle Wyman, the former champ. Early on in the race, I thought it was going to be Tyler O'Hara, but uh, what a battle. These guys riding on rain tires because of the patchy conditions, made for some really touch and go. Hats off to Travis Wyman for winning in Harley-Davidson.
0: In the Royal Enfield Build Train Race class, it was Kaylee Buck who took the pole by nearly two seconds and went on to take her second win of the season over Crystal Martinez. However, a crash at the end of the race led to a red flag, and Bike and Martinez didn't see the red flag, which resulted in both riders being docked their points for their finishes. However, they did still get to keep their wins, their win first and second place, but no points. So now it's uh, Jennifer Chancellor now leads the series with 36 points over Jessica Martin on 29 points while Kaylee Bike drops to third with 25 from her win at VIR. Our industry spotlight this week focuses on the announcement that the United States ISDE trophy teams will hold its 8th annual golf tournament team fundraiser at Snowshoe Mountain Resort in conjunction with the Snowshoe GNCC on Friday, June 24th. This unique golf tournament will assist in the team's efforts to represent the United States at the 2022 running of the International Six Days Enduro in France, August 29th through September 3rd. All proceeds from the event will go directly to the USA ISDE team to help fund the transportation of American athletes to the prestigious event. For those unable to attend, but wishing to contribute to the USA ISDE teams, donations can be made by selecting the donate option on the online registration form. For more information about how you can get involved, visit GNCCracing.com.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. We'd like to welcome to Pit Pass Motor today, Corey Texter. He is number 65, the fast AFT racer on the g Mission Foods Yamaha. And he is a two-time production Twins champion and also host of the Tank Slapping Podcast. And one last thing, race promoter. That's a mouthful, Corey. <laughs> Definitely welcome to the show, man.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Actually, I'm uh I'm borrowing number one this year, so uh, anytime I can put a number one on my bike, I'm going to gonna represent it. <laughs> it feels good to be on. It's been a couple of years since I've been on the show and happy to be back on.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, as far as your race season goes, um, I mean, sitting P2 on the season, you had a win in Texas. How's it been going for you so far?
2: Yeah, it's been an inter- interesting season for me. We've had some up and downs, uh, a lot of racetracks where we've had to deal with weather and like technical track conditions. So, it's been a it's been a grind for me. It hasn't been easy, but yeah, I think we're one point out of the lead right now. I don't really look into that stuff too early in the season. Take it race by race, but we got a win in Texas and then we've been on the podium I think the last four out of five races we've been on the podium so we're starting to gain momentum starting to get comfortable and it's a long season I've I've uh, dealt with this before so just kind of grind them out give it our best shot and see where that puts us at the end of the year
1: well and no doubt with G&G you've been with these guys for a few years and you guys have a strong program and a proven program no doubt and it's great to see the Yamaha so competitive you guys are fast as hell talk about that relationship with those guys and kind of how that got started for you
2: yeah, it's kind of funny. I've I've talked about it before, but before 2019, I never really had a great team to ride for. I always kind of did it as a privateer, so I never really got that opportunity. I, I always was like, hey, you know, if I can get on a good bike and a good team, I know I can run with these guys consistently because I showed flashes of it, you know, throughout my career, but it wasn't on a weekly basis. And a lot of that was just because of the grind of doing it, you know, on my own, out of my own van my own motorcycles. It was uh, it was challenging. So nobody wanted to ride their bikes prior to that year. So I think I probably wasn't their first pick, but uh, they gave me the call and I definitely I took the opportunity. And a few months later, we won our first championship and followed it up last year with a second title. So it's been a really good opportunity for me. It's just a father and a son, LJ and John. And they're based out of Southern California. They do everything on their own. And we get some support from Yamaha, Mission Foods, Parts Unlimited. So it's been cool. We've taken a really humble program and have turned it into a championship contender year after year. So Corey, it seems like you're one of those
0: guys that just is busy doing stuff all the time. You have so much going on. You're a professional racer, race promoter, podcast host, and a dad. How do you find time for every, all of this that you have going on in your life? Man, I don't find time. <laughs> it's
2: crazy. I yeah, there's a lot going on. I I promote races, like you said, and that's been really cool. That's that's actually a lot of work. I I kind of didn't expect how much work it takes to be a race promoter, but if you're gonna do it right, it's a full time job. And the podcast thing has been fun. We uh, we do that just for fun. I do it once a week or so. Um, but right now, my main priority is racing motorcycles and trying to win another championship. You know, I I announced prior to the season this would be my final year in uh, american flat track series so i have a little boy cruise he's four years old and we're focusing on him and his racing and uh for me it's just i've been you know i've been doing this for so long i just need a reset right now my you know i do a lot of different different things but my main priority is is just trying to get a another championship for my team and for myself so um but no it's cool i, I get to do other aspects of the sport and and see that side of it, you know, it kind of keeps me level-headed and keeps me, um, yeah, focused on other things sometimes where I'm not just totally burning myself out on the riding and the training that comes with being a racer.
0: So something else I've noticed too about you is you seem to have this marketing savvy. You're a racer who really embraces marketing and it shows, like you have a very professional look, the way you kind of carry yourself, you're good on the microphone. Is marketing something that you just, is that kind of like, something that you're into, that you enjoy, but for, for the most part, you just seem like a, a real student of marketing.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. No, that was kind of like, as I was coming up through the ranks, I have a sister, Shayna, who races as well. And she was always the more talented racer. And I wasn't really, I mean, I was a good rider, but I didn't really peak until I got older. So to get rides and get sponsors, I, I learned the marketing side of it so I could get those opportunities because I wasn't, I wasn't doing it based off results, so yeah, I went to college and got a, a business degree in marketing and business, and kind of just like been doing that side of the sport since I was 17. And I just know to make this sport a career or make racing a career in general, especially in this day and age, results don't cut it. Results are cool, and you can get paid, you know, contingency and and purse money, but to make money, you got to give value to your sponsors. So. I look at that, I study things, I listen to podcasts, read books and I've kind of learned what it takes to kind of market yourself. But now we're at the point now where my results are there and it, it's cool that I I learned that side of the marketing growing up. But yeah, equally as important for me right now is is getting good results and and using that as well to to get partners and and make money doing this.
1: So kind of with that that marketing approach in mind and just flat track as a as a form of racing as a whole, I guess. What do you think uh, flat track racing has to do to kind of bring more of the younger group into the sport to kind of try to grow it? I mean, it seems to be on an uptick now, but what else can they do to kind of make the sport more appealing?
2: Oh man, you got a couple hours. <laughs> no, it's it's going well. They they've really stepped up with the TV coverage, and some bigger companies are getting involved, like Mission Foods, and there's a lot of manufacturer support in the 450 singles class. You have KTM, Honda. You have Yamaha support, same with the super twins, you know, Indian motorcycle. And I don't know, there's a lot of interest, a lot of super cross riders and MotoGP guys are using flat track as cross training. So yeah, there's definitely an uptick, you know, we don't have the rider entries that we used to have in the pro ranks. So that's one thing I think I sort of doing the, um, the promotions for my amateur racers, trying to get, trying to get the amateur involvement and, channeling those kids all the way up through the ranks like we have a lot of good amateurs but making that transition from amateur to pro is really tough and challenging a lot of kids make that jump but they only last a year or two and then they're out of the sport because they're not they're not you know making this a career they're just kind of they're they're unsure of how to transition the hobby into a career so no the sports it's yeah it's good we were in the x games a few years so that gave a lot of exposure on it and it's going well, like from where I started as a professional in two thousand and seven to where we're at now, we're really able to make make a lot more money than we were, and there's a lot more opportunities in front of you, but at the end of the day, you know you have those tools in front of you, you gotta do the work and and use what we have the t v package, everything else to your advantage and push yourself on social media and kind of help grow the sport. Like, don't wait for the sport to grow and then take advantage. Like, grow with the sport. And I always think that's important.
1: Yeah, and that's a good take on things. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you, when you mentioned the 450 class, all the factory names you mentioned. It seems to me that maybe even 10 years ago, there weren't as many of the factory-level teams in flat track that there are today. I mean, just mentioned KTM and Honda. They have full factory efforts and Yamaha, I should, should say, as well as Indian and the others, uh, Harley-Davidson. But uh, it just seems to be this growth in the sport that's centered around those factories participating.
2: It gives the younger kids something to shoot for, you know, and it's it's kind of crazy. Most of the factory-supported teams are in the 450 class. So I help out a lot of younger kids as a rider coach, and I have an amateur team that I I put together that I sponsor. And All these younger kids, you know, I'm telling them, yo, you guys got to work hard and and put it together because when you turn 16, you could be a factory rider. And that's just really surreal for some of these kids to even think about. But the opportunity is there for them to make really good money when they turn 16. But the amount of riders that get selected for factory teams, it's very, very small percentage. So it takes a lot of work. And as a 14, 15-year-old kid, you know, you just want to play video games and sit on TikTok all day. It's hard to get these kids motivated to to understand that. And when you when you have kids that do understand it, you have the Dallas Daniels and you have the Cody Cops. And, you know, there's there's kids that get it, and they're the ones that get rewarded with good rides and good opportunities.
0: So in a little bit of a different direction, Corey, I noticed you recently filled a role, quote, rider representative in race control. At the VIR Moto America round. So, how did that come about, and what did that role entail? And is that something maybe you're considering down the road?
2: Yeah, that was awesome. That was a really cool opportunity. Uh, Chuck Axelin and Wayne Rainey are friends of mine, and I'm a big follower of Moto America. And Chuck called me up and asked me if I would fill in as the rider rep for VIR, and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure. I, like that sounds awesome." And I had no idea what went into. Being the rider rep and race control, I mean, essentially, you're you're one third of making all the decisions based on the weekend as far as what goes on on the track. So, yeah, all the penalties, all the you know, I watched the jump starts. I was inspecting the track. Anytime a rider or teams had any issues, I was their first line of communication. There was a lot to it. I was running around quite a bit. It was a very busy four days. Uh, meetings and. Yeah, it was crazy. The opportunity was was amazing. I've learned so much in the paddock just being there for that one weekend. And down the road, yeah, I mean, I I want to stay involved in motorcycle racing and whatever opportunity is there, whether it's you know flat track or Moto America or Supercross or anything. Man, I I am a I'm a big fan of racing in general, and I've been doing this since I was a baby. My dad was a pro rider, and I was traveling the country with him just chasing the dream. So definitely want to stay involved. And I really, really enjoyed my time filling in for Moto America and what they're doing over there, Chuck and Richard and and Wayne, and man, they're crushing it. So if there's an opportunity to be involved and help that sport grow and be a part of it, definitely would be something I would consider.
0: Well, it seems like it would be a great fit for you. Definitely something to where who knows down the road you you could be the the right person for the, for the job because all the comments I saw it was just nothing but positive saying you did a great job and so congrats on that. So looking a little further down the road though, coming up in the in the in the fall, uh, I think you have this event coming up called the uh, Escape the Berg Flat Track Race, October twenty first, twenty second. Tell us a little bit more about that. What's your involvement with that event and uh, how's that race going to take place? What's what's
2: the cool things happening? Thanks for the opportunity to talk about it, but um, yeah, as you know, as I've mentioned, I, I promote races now, and basically we were only doing one event a year—the Winter Throwdown, which uh, takes place at Callahan Speedway in Callahan, Florida, every January. And my buddy Andrew Butler, he's actually Cody Cops' mechanic on the factory KTM team. He actually preps the races at Lawrenceburg Speedway, which is a really historic racetrack just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, like Nikki Hayden and. A bunch of guys kind of cut their teeth there growing up, racing there over the years, yeah, in the amateur ranks. So talked to Andrew and he's like, hey man, let's let's do another event. I was like, well, I guess <laughs> it's like a week after our season finale, but I don't like to half ass anything. whatever I do, I, I like to put in a full effort. And so we're gonna go to Lawrenceburg Speedway, put on a Corey Texter promotions event. Our events are a little bit differently than flat track. Normal flat track amateur events. We put a lot of, a lot of work in the kind of giving these kids exposure. We do a bunch of live videos throughout the weekend. Really cool awards and sponsors. Just try to make it a professionally run event. You know, I I saw all these big events in motocross. You know, like Loretta's and Ponca and Freestone and Minios, and I'm like, man, we don't have anything like that in flat track you know, no offense, but the amateur nationals in flat track really were kind of just, eh, you know, there, there wasn't any, anything special to those events. So trying to give teams and, you know, parents and riders something excited to look forward to at these events and, and give them some exposure to get them in front of some, some viewership. And yeah, it's going to be fun. There's a lot of really good pro riders are expected to show up and, you know, the best amateurs in the world. So it'll be, it'll be exciting.
1: I think it's an awesome uh, concept and, and really that the winter throwdown, you're just given, given the racers, the participants, a ton of value, which is really what most racetracks are trying to do. And, and it's definitely paying off for you. It's, it's cool to see. One of the guys in your program as a riding coach is Chris Carr, obviously he goes without saying his capabilities and history in the sport. Just uh, one of the top tier guys ever. How'd that work out for you, as far as uh, helping you with your with your program? Do you see that continuing?
2: I kind of grew up with Chris, actually. Uh, you know, my dad was a pro racer; he had a national number for 16 years in flat track. And when Chris was kind of finishing up his career, my dad's dealership—we had a Harley Davidson dealership—we actually sponsored Chris' Carr. And he's always been kind of like Uncle Chris to me. Uh, you know, we've always grown up together and spent a lot of time with him and. Toward the end of 2019, I was, you know, contending for my first championship and I was sort of struggling with some mental aspects of the of being in that position. You know, I was never in a, a title chase my whole career. And I brought him on as a rider coach and we had a lot of fun with it. It was cool to have him there with me every weekend. And and we keep in touch still. I was at his house a few days ago actually hanging out and going through some old photos and I talk to him usually once a week. You know, I'll call him and get some insight on on the races. He doesn't really leave his house too much anymore. He sort of sort of enjoys his time with his family and you know, but he watches everything. He's the most analytical guy I've ever met. He's so underrated, intelligent. So anytime I need some sort of advice, he's the guy I call and yeah, it would be cool to have him back in the sport doing something. There's so much knowledge there that I feel is being kind of underutilized just him sitting at home right now, but I bug him pretty often and and get some insight. He's a he's a good guy and in my opinion he's probably the best to ever do it like as far as the most diverse rider, can ride anything, road racer, flat track. I have a lot of respect for Chris and we have a really good relationship.
1: Corey, we want to take these last few moments, if you don't mind, if there's anybody in your program you want to give a shout-out to and uh, where we can find you on social media and such.
2: Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, uh, Pretty much social media, pretty easy to find. Corey Texter for most of the, most of the channels, just at Corey Texter, Corey Texter Racing on Facebook. And, yeah, give a shout-out to my team, LJ and John at G&G Racing. And Mission Foods, it's really cool having Mission Foods involved in – Man, you see Mission Foods in it. So many you know, parts of the industry right now, Flat Track and Moto America and Drag Race. And so Mission Foods came on board with me and stoked to have their support. Parts Unlimited, McElroy Packaging, Bell Helmets, Alpine Stars, Motul Oils, Kicker Audio, Motion Pro, Clockworks, just my family and my friends and all the fans who kind of support me year after year definitely enjoying the process. And yeah, once again, thanks to you guys for for the opportunity. It's uh, it's really cool and an honor to be on the show. I've been on a few times, but it's been a couple years, so it's always good to chat and appreciate the call. Thank you.
1: Absolutely, Corey. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate your time, man. All
2: right, guys. Cheers. Thank you.
1: Thanks again to our guests for being with us today, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog and our brand new store where you can get your Pit Pass swag.
0: This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dale Spangler.
1: And I'm Dave Silecki. See you next week on Pit Pass Moto. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. Pipass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen
0: Podcasts.